Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 270. I am joined on this uh, post-trade deadline podcast by my co-host, Prez, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I haven't even caught up or internalized half the shit that happened outside of like the world of the Knicks. Um, so there's a good chance during the course of this pod, I'm just going to be like, huh, who's on where I'm going to be like fucking the TNT NBA hosts who can't like do the bare minimum of research of who's on what team. That's going to be me for the next like hour and change. It's good stuff. Good to hear. Uh, I will try to help you out by (laughs) sending you this link, which you can read. Uh, and it is now there in our private chat uh, on this very webpage. But before we get started talking about all of that, I just make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. You can check that out on Instagram. It is at thestrick.land. Please give us a follow. We are posting all kinds of new content on there. Uh, if you can give us a follow, that would obviously be a huge help. We also have a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, please hit like. And then subscribe to the channel. Furthermore, the Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to that. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland This Pod that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag that comes out every other week, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. There's a variety of additional benefits, like listening on a pod recordings, merchandise discounts, even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. Um, so, uh, you know, let's just start with the Knicks. The Knicks traded for Josh Hart. Uh, the trade is a little bit weird, but we do have some clarity finally on what exactly the Knicks will be trading out. Um, the Knicks traded their own lotto protected first in this year's draft for Josh Hart. They also sent out Cam Reddish in the deal along with Ryan Archidiakono and Svi Mikhailuk, uh, who will be sorely missed. The thing is, uh, if the pick doesn't convey, so if the Knicks miss the playoffs, they will send four second-rounders to Portland. Those are the 2024 Detroit second-round pick, the less favorable of either the 2026 Minnesota second-round pick or the 2026 New York second-round pick, the 2027 Knicks, and then both of their second round picks, or sorry, their second round pick in each year in 2027 and 2028. 
So those are the four picks that would be going out if they don't make the playoffs and they retain their first round pick this year. Um, so look, I have been on the fucking mailbag thing that we did yesterday. I did the trade deadline thing. So I think people know where I stand on this pretty clearly. Uh, but Prez, uh, you know, the floor is yours. How do you feel about the Knicks acquiring Josh Hart for what they gave up? Well, Listeners probably already know, but in case you didn't know, before I get into the actual deal, people need to know that I've been dealing with DMs from Schwinn for what feels like years, just being like, how can we get Josh Hart to the Knicks? (laughs) This is like Josh Hart exists in a very rare space. This rare secret alternate pocket universe is the overlap of Venn diagrams between Thomas Thibodeau's favorite players and Schwinnie Poo's favorite <laughs> players. Population? Josh Hart. I'm trying to think if anybody else fits into this category. Eh, maybe like quickly? I mean, quickly? Yeah, quick, yeah. Right? I, think, I think quickly has entered that. Ca- I, I think we can, we can say that. That's fair now. Um, Tibbs definitely has grown to love him uh, in his own way. Uh, warts and all. Not warts for IQ, warts for Tibbs, to be clear. <laughs> we don't believe IQ has any warts. No um, warts. No warts. He's wart-free. Um, so, anyway, like, in terms of Josh Hart, the player, I think he's a good fit. I mean, we, we talked a lot about the need for some offensive juice uh, on the bench. A lot of that, I think, was in the context of um, a lack of staggering starters with the bench players and a lack of uh, utilizing the bench to their greatest strengths, namely the Hartenstein. Um, and also just some of the bench players just not being particularly effective on offense, right? Like Deuce had a rough stretch. Obviously, Evan wasn't in the rotation because he couldn't even do offense, right? We know he gets cooked on defense. Um, lately, some of those guys have perked up. Um, I heart is perked up. Uh, Deuce is perked up. We'll see if it continues. That'd be cool if it did. Um, but you know, the bench. He Josh Hart is not a creator in the traditional sense, but he does juice offenses. Um, he's a high efficiency guy. His offenses are better with him because he passes, because he gets easy buckets like layups. He causes and finishes transition. Um, he gets rebounds, um, which let lead his rebounds lead to good offense because he can just take the ball and go. And so even though he's not a, 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 a bucket generator like that and not a particularly great shooter, um, he does bring some, some, some of that stuff on offense. And then the defense we've, you know, we've talked about ad nauseum. He's not the big wing archetype, but, he somehow just plays like one because reasons. He's just kind of strong and dong and good. Um, so he's he can fill that void in his own very special way, um, which is cool. Um, so Josh Hart, the, and, and the connective passing is awesome. We don't have enough guys like that. Um, so, you know, I have no faith that Tom Thibodeau is really going to manage the minutes and stuff like that well, but in, in a vacuum, I think uh, I think he's a fine fit, um, long-term even. Um, and I on Twitter, I went on the record saying that, like, I didn't think he would cost a first-round pick just because he is likely going to opt out, but 
and I'm kind of curious where you stand on this specific question, but like, I, I guess it was my own naivete in, in a way that like, like teams know these things, right? And especially the team run by Leon Rose, like you could trade for Josh Hart and it was, there's a good argument that it was always likely, even if it wasn't the Knicks, that whoever traded for Josh Hart had signals that Josh Hart would be open to staying with said team, provided they pay him a respectable sum of money. Is that fair to say? I'm not sure I understand. So I guess the question is like, I was like, this dude isn't isn't worth the first, because if you trade for him, he might bounce. But if you trade for him, you probably have signs that there's a decent chance he's staying. I mean, I think he's going to stay. I don't think you make this trade unless you. He's they're they're keeping him. I don't think there's any doubt about it. They I, no, I know for us for sure. But I mean, like in these types of situations, I guess. Yeah, you have to. If you trade a first round pick for a guy and you just let him walk after three months, you don't see that often, years. right? Like this is the last time I can remember it. Uh, last one I can remember off the top of my head was, I think, Bogdanovich, right? No, Trent didn't do that. Uh, Trent stayed. Um, yeah. No, it was Bogdanovich, I think, when he got traded to the Wizards from the Nets. And I'm pretty sure he left right after that. Um, and even Aflalo did that when he got traded to the Blazers, and then he left there and signed with the Knicks. But, like... Yeah, it doesn't have happen. Ever told you you have like an encyclopedic transactional knowledge base for no fucking reason? Uh, no, no, but I've heard that. Yes, um, yeah, I have a knowledge the, of things that are irrelevant. There's so, so many times I'm on the pod, or we're just like in the Discord, which people should join because Twitter might break again at any moment. Um, and you're like, oh yeah, that reminds me of the time when Jose Calderon helped us duck beneath the apron or whatever, some <laughs> blah blah blah. And I'm just like. Bro, what the fuck, man? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to, to your, your point, I, I look, I, I can remember all kinds of useless NBA tidbits, unfortunately. Um, no, it's not. I, I think when you make that, when you make any yeah. type of trade like that, the expectation is you're keeping that player, which puts pressure on the front office and gives the player leverage. I mean, another example would be like when we traded Marcus Morris, it was assumed that he was going to stay with the Clippers. Obviously, he did. Right, right. Um, so... Yeah, like there's a pressure there. I don't know how much that stuff, like how much leverage it gives you or whatever, because you've seen examples of guys sign fair market deals after that versus sure. massive overpays. So uh, it's just case by case, I think. And uh, in this case, I would suspect since Leon is his former agent, since he mm-hmm. has the same agent as Julius Randle, since he was a teammate of Julius Randle's in LA, since he was a teammate of Jalen Brunson's at Villanova, and that they're still really good friends. Um, Given all of those things, I would feel I feel pretty comfortable with an Andy CAA, obviously. Uh, given all of that, I think it would be very surprising if they don't have yeah. most yeah. of this. Like, you, you can't agree to a deal in, in advance, but. And then with players like him, I think it's even easier because it's not, you know, it's not like some blue chipper $30 million guy or whatever who's going to be like. Like people want Josh Hart, don't get me wrong, but like this motherfucker is not going to cause a bidding war. So, um, with our with our Stephen A. Smith voice, with all due respect to Josh Hart, um, 
Yeah. So no. So it, like in retrospect, yeah, I I think my projection was was definitely off base. And given that kind of circumstantial practice that is pretty common, um, a first is a decent price. Um, I do think this is one of this is my personal belief. I think that this first was worth more going out than it was worth more internally precisely because I truly believe that like the Knicks would not play to rookies. Um, And I also have the belief, which I think the Knicks share that not every team shares that uh, if you don't, which this is a very ironic, what I'm about to say, given a lot of the complaints that we have, but like, you shouldn't pick somebody if you're, if they can't, if they won't get minutes. Um, And I mean, literally like zero minutes, like Obi obviously needs to play more, has been screwed, but like he gets some minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's way below the amount that he needs. And some people think like, well, like they could develop and practice and you could send them to the G league and da, 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 da. da. And I, I used to think that, but the the more I kind of just, that's just really rare to see guys who straight up don't play. And then, all of a sudden like become good later. And that's usually because if you're good, you'll play. It's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, the exception is of course, like a draft and stash. And of course you could combine that pick with our other pick from Dallas and see how far up that gets you. Um, I don't think it would get you that far up. Um, and then of course the other classes, the, the other argument is like, throw all that shit out the window. This is a really deep draft class. You could have two bites at the apple. Even if one doesn't play, fuck it, just whatever, who cares? Like, Arcadiano-type player would have taken up that spot anyway. So, you know, that stuff is all reasonable, but I, I think the way the Knicks seem to handle drafting and developing, um, they're like, we need to use this pick. We need to use one of our two picks for improvement or for asset acquisition. And... If you wait until after the deadline, that means you have to basically trade something on draft day when everybody knows like you have a countdown clock on your pick. And that always is kind of dicey. And, you know, there's plenty of teams that make it work. But um, the certainty of getting a legit quality rotation player who's on the same timeline age wise as your team, like Josh Hart, and still having a crack at this draft, probably like is a pretty conservative easy i don't think this was like a controversial decision within the Knicks front office it was probably pretty easy um i'm sure they would have preferred to send a protected pick from the future um and then use this pick for some other improvement but um if if i'm portland i'm like wow we got a really great asset for josh hart who is gonna leave like this guy is good, but like we have a now like a, a extra pick in the 2023 draft. So like if I'm a Portland fan, I'm excited at that. Sad that Dame still doesn't run from the grind and content going into the rest of this season, well, I guess. Um, we did a so, lot of yeah. other a few other things too. So yeah. <laughs> so in in a weird way to me, it was pretty fair value. I, I do think there's like you, like your your view that it is a little bit of an overpay. Like I, I totally 
get that. I don't think that's really wrong either. Um, so all in all, like, cool. I mean, we got a rotation piece. He gives us some flexibility moving forward. He gives us – he's really versatile, which is, uh, aside from quickly <clears> – <throat> We don't. We have players who could be used in more versatile ways. Quickly is the only one who is used that way, <laughs> and I think Josh Hart has enough cachet already that he will be used in a versatile fashion. He won't be like corner closeout guy like Quentin Grimes or corner tall guy like Obi Toppin or something stupid like that. They'll probably let him do a little bit of everything. Um, so. I'm pretty, I don't know. I'm pretty hyped. I thought we were going to come out with like Eric. I thought we were going to get OG straight up just because I didn't think Masai was going to get greedy, but that's what he does. So, whatever. Less we say about that, the better. And then I thought if we didn't get him, we'd get someone who's more of a scorer like Eric Gordon. But if you were to just tear up the kinds of players this front office wants, Eric Gordon helps you now, but he's also old. So, Josh Hart was probably a little more desirable for them on the whole. So those are my thoughts. Um, yeah, Josh Hart is 27. He uh, turned 27 when he turns 20. He turned 27 on March. So he's going to turn 28 this year. Um, so you would sign him, let's say, for a three-year deal. So you get age 28, 29, 30, basically. Um that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, what? Like, yeah, I do think it was a little bit of an overpay. Um, that said, you look at a lot of the deals that went out today, the guys that got traded, I like Hart more than Sadiq Bey. Uh, yeah. I like Hart more than Thibault. I like Hart more than <laughs> Reddish, who Josh, traded. Josh Richardson. Yeah, I like Hart more than Richardson. I like Hart more than Kevin Knox. Shout out Kevin Knox for grinding out and he still got a key. He deserves his place in the league based on how he's played this year. So kudos to him. Uh, I like him more than, you know, basically any of these guys that got traded today, Beverly, who's going to get bought out. I like him more than Eric Gordon, who Eric Gordon. I do like, actually, I think he's a pretty solid guy, but yeah, for the reasons you mentioned, I prefer Hart. So you look at all that. Gordon's the only like real two-way guy you have like bones but bones doesn't play defense you have tybo i, I didn't want to play offense right yeah. and like, i i didn't i didn't want bones i think bones is there's a few things at play here like bones is a guy look we already this is what you can do as an organization right when you fuck up you should learn from your fuck-ups right so you fucked up training for cam reddish because you thought hey he it hasn't worked out for him in atlanta we like the tools Maybe you ignore some intel or stuff about you know what he thinks his role should be, what he wants to be, blah 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 blah, because you're like you know what he's going to come to New York and he's going to love it because it's New York and he's going to be around his buddy R.J. Barrett and you know he played in the McDonald's All American game with Emmanuel Quickly and Quentin Grimes like this is going to be great. He comes here, you ignore the fact that your coach didn't really want him at all, and quite frankly, uh, the fact that he's not. Anything, there's nothing about him that's very like Tibbsy, nor is there anything about him that's kind of in line with how they've drafted, right? They've drafted guys who have been productive in college and had, in most of their cases, other than Keels, had played multiple years in college, right? You took a guy who was a one and done, super ballyhooed prospect um, that had kind of been dining out on that college and really that AAU high school 
yeah. glory for years. Okay. And you, again, you ignored the part that your coach probably didn't really want him. And I think that's okay to do because I, I really like, again, this is the part of it that I think is just stupid on Tim's part. It's like, nobody needs to tell you that they want to see him play, bro. Like they traded a protected first round pick for him. They obviously would like to see him play. Um, okay. But it didn't work out and we don't need to rehash and relive why it didn't work out, whose fault it is. I'm pretty sure everybody in some part is to blame Leon Tibbs, Cam himself, clutch, whatever. All these people are to blame. All of them have their hand in it. And then you got to learn from that. Right. And they, it seems at least to some degree, they may have learned from that in the sense that, okay, instead of playing out the string, they pulled them from the rotation. Right. And did that nuke his value? Maybe. I don't really know how much that nuked the player's value because we've seen players get pulled from the rotation and they're, they're okay. Uh, I think Cam nuked his own value in that sense. But anyway, um, okay. So they pull him from the rotation. They commit to whatever guys they want to play. Right. Since that point, they're 20 and 13. They're on a, that's a 49.7 win pace, which is pretty fucking good. These are good decisions. Okay, now you got to trade Cam Reddish. Great. What do you want to trade him for? You want to trade him for a guy, their stated goal was we want to upgrade in the rotation, right? We, we They want to improve the team. They want to be a better team. Okay, so you get a guy who you know your coaching staff, especially Tibbs, loves. We know this. We know that Hart has publicly said said very positive things about Tibbs. So, okay, that's a, that's a great start right there. You bring in a guy who has been like a strong locker room guy throughout his career going back to college. Bring in a guy who obviously has connections to key players on your team in both Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, who he was teammates with in L.A. I don't know if they were good buddies or anything, but he did play with Julius. Um, obviously, there's the CAA angle and all this stuff. But this, to me, looks like a team that actually learned. And you can disagree with the price they paid. I do think it was a bit of an overpay. I don't have a problem so much with them overpaying to get him, but I do think it was a bit of an overpay. Um, but even if you disagree with that, I don't think you can deny that there is signs here that they learned from the Cam Reddish mistake. And they did so without compromising the things they're looking for. And I, and I want to say this too, going back to Cam, the biggest reason the Cam thing was like such a departure for them is they've played placed such an emphasis to a degree on like, positive analytics for players um especially considering the asset the i guess the way it was perceived at that time anyway um that they gave up to get him like they've only drafted guys with baseline levels of production at at whatever level they were at before that and with cam like the analytics have always hated cam in college they didn't like him in the nba they didn't like him they didn't like him with the hawks like it was such a departure. Whereas I'm not saying Josh Hart is some like, you know, analytics darling, but he's like a upper quartile, uh, upper quarter of the league for wings in terms of EPM, you know, um, like he's got good, just good data on him. And that's not like this year, he was one of Portland's strongest on off guys. That hasn't always been the case in his career. Uh, he's also had a weird career. Like he's bounced around into weird situations, right? That that Lakers team he was on, which we've talked about before, was a weird-ass fucking team. That was the one that Julius was on. Then he goes to the Pelicans, which is like 
another team where he's kind of like, it's a weird situation because they draft Zion and then Zion doesn't play a bunch. It's, it's all fucked up. Then he goes to Portland. Portland's another weird situation because it's like the first time, like when, when he gets traded there, they're just like tanking away, right? So who the fuck knows what's going on here? Um, and then obviously this year they're trying to be good, but it's just a weird spot. But like the point is that he's been in weird situations. He's not the most positive net rating guy ever. He really just has a slight positive for his career, plus 1.1. His on-court for his career is minus 1.1. This is a kind of a neutral-ish guy. But I think if you watch him, and you watch him enough, like the specific micro skills he brings to the table are just very appealing for this team for a couple of reasons, being that, um, you know, one, his defensive rebounding is massive. Like, he's a great... This is not an understatement. Like, when Tibbs said he... I think Tibbs said he's the best rebounding guard in the league it's funny that people call him a guard because he is guard sized but if you just watch him play that dude plays like he plays like a he plays like a fucking and he gets he gets wing like assignments are like just as much as he does defend point guards and stuff like that so yeah even if you like if, if you categorize him as a guard he's unquestionably the best rebounding guard um, unless you include like Luca, maybe I don't know as a guard. No, that that he's a better rebounder. He gets contested rebounds. Luca does not get contested rebounds. Yeah, Luca's the designated rebound guy, so he just Luca gets, gets the... his fucking fantasy triple doubles all the time. So get get better, Luca. We need you down the stretch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. I, my team is suffering. I have him. I have KD. I have Zion. <laughs> Shit. I was second in the league, and now I'm just like I can't drop any of those guys. So just like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to get my ass out of me for a few weeks. Um, all right, nobody cares about this. But, like, he's a great defensive rebounder. He is a really good offensive rebounder, too, for a guard. Um, he, like, he's just very good at these things, weirdly. He is a very good secondary playmaker, uh, which is massive. Like, he's a quick decision maker, connector, however you want to put it. He's good at those things. And God knows the Knicks benefit from that. We've seen it with Quentin Grimes, right? Quentin Grimes goes in that starting lineup, and all of a sudden, that starting lineup is no longer a total embarrassment. So you see it when Deuce plays aggressively because yeah. he has that connective passing. But you need to be just like you see with Grimes driving and with Hart driving. Like you need to have some level of proficiency and being a threat. And yeah. Hart just gives you a wing who can do that. Yeah, and uh, the other piece is he is a sturdy, capable defender. And the biggest thing for me. The biggest thing for me, and I, I think this can't be understated. I think it is not. It has not been talked about enough. Like one of the reasons when I, I liked when they dra- or when they traded for Derrick Rose back in twenty twenty one was or twenty twenty I guess whichever whatever that season um, was. I thought what he could do could help bring Obi more into the mix, and we did see that um, that year. That like he did help Obi, and he helped quick too that year because. It was yeah, hard. It, it was hard to just be like, "Hey, quick! We know you're a rookie, but uh, come in and just run point with like the bench and just do that." And you know, quickly, he's a, he was a developing point guard then, so he's like, "Look, he's like again, like Brunson, like these guys hunt for their shots, but he doesn't have that. He didn't have that understanding." Anyway, the point is, I thought Rose helped both of those guys. I think Hart can really help Obi, and I think Hart can really help RJ because this is a guy who will grab a defensive rebound and get going. He will just yes. fly up the floor. And I know quickly does that when he gets rebounds, but there is like a physicality and a violent nature to the way that Hart does it. That is very different from 
really any like the combination of speed Quick and physicality. Doesn't really go like coast to coast like that too. He'll like get it get into the sets quickly, yeah. and he when he really juices transition, it's it's via the pass, right? But he's yeah. not like 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 Julius and RJ earlier in the season would actually go coast to coast. We don't have anybody who does that now. Yeah, and I'm not sure we really want to encourage Julius to do that too much. Um, <laughs> but like, but like, there's a again, there's like a violence to the way he does that, a physicality and attitude, however you want to put it. But like, he is a locomotive. He's going to get going, and that is going to help those guys because I do think Obi in particular has suffered from the what seems like a schematic to a degree lack of pace we've played with this year. And I think it's hurt RJ at times too, especially in the starting lineup. Like those guys just don't play fast and it is what it is. Like Brunson, Randall, these guys are not, and they probably shouldn't be running up and down the floor, you know, playing like Mike D'Antoni's teams or something. But Uh there is value to having a guy like Hart who's going to get that second unit going. And I do think that second unit has struggled at times with pace. I mean, we see it a lot with Deuce because for whatever stupid reason, we have to have like Deuce bring the ball up to do the, initiating but his initiating is just like throwing a swing pass to quickly or to rj and then they do the actual like offense um hart will do his own thing he will get the ball and he'll fly up the floor he might take it all the way for a layup he's great at that but like the point is he can bring something there inject some pace into this team and we've seen it right this team like at times they can just fall into these very lethargic methodical boring stretches of play i mean the entire first half of the magic game it's one of the most brutal watches i've had in a while um obviously happy they came back and won Hart can help with that he can really really help with that i think he's going to be a fun pairing with quickly i'm okay with deuce going back to being situational because somebody will get hurt and deuce will step in and that's fine like if that's his role for right now that's fine um and i i think like that bench unit where you know so it'll be quick and Hart, RJ, Obi, and Hartenstein, like that, that's a good ass bench and a yeah, bench man. unit anyway. And and the other part I like is like now you so you traded away a guy who is never gonna play again for the Knicks, and two guys who effectively may as well have never played for the Knicks, um, for a player who immediately comes into your rotation, moves Deuce out. So now you have a really what I think is a more formidable nine man rotation, even though like the on off stuff with Deuce is great. I think it's pretty obvious that like there were real stretches this year where he was detrimental given his lack of offensive capability. Um, I wouldn't be, I'll just, I, I totally agree with everything you said. I wouldn't be surprised if they play with a 10 man rotation for a little bit, just, just because he's been hooping in a very Tibbsian way. Um, but he's certainly not gonna, um, obviously heart will be higher. In, yeah, in the the pecking order there. Yeah, and and ultimately, like, it gives you a solid nine man group. And now I like mm-hmm. the fact that you have, you've got Evan and you've got Deuce and you've got Obi or not Obi, sorry, Obi kind of, but and and Sims. And now these guys are situational because Mitch will be back presumably after the All Star break. Like, I That's like. Right. I kind of forgot that, about Mitch. Yeah. So that that gives you like actual depth. Um, like it gives you a solid nine-man group, and then three guys who are situational because they actually should be situational right now. Like, I like right. Deuce. I believe in Deuce long-term. Like, On a shot, very good team, those guys are situational. Yeah. And ultimately, like, I think Deuce, if Deuce hits shots, it's very simple, right? If Deuce hits shots, 
he is more than just a situational guy. He's a rotation player. If he doesn't hit shots consistently, this is what he is, a situational player. So I have no problem with this. I think it's a good trade. And I'm excited to watch this team. I think this is going to be a fun team. And I think that Hart adds to the fun. And he's a good vibes guy. He's a really good vibes guy. I, I, I can't stress that enough. That was my main concern with this trade deadline and why I didn't want to trade Obi because Obi might not play a lot, but like everybody in the team seems to love Obi. And considering how shitty he's been treated at times, just in terms of his minutes, uh, he's his positive attitude and his head coach speaking through yeah. mouthpieces online and disrespectfully just shitting on not only Obi but other members of the front office. Um, I have a I have a heart question for you. Um, so last year things were weird in Portland with Dame Hurt. Twenty five usage. Wanna, yeah, what the what the fuck happened? What was that? Like I didn't I I saw that and like observed it for fantasy hoop purposes. I even picked him up a couple times. The, he was like scoring, scoring. Yeah, I mean, he had some monster games over there. Um, let's what up was that? It wasn't just like three point shooting, right? Like, no, I mean, he's always. I mean, his slashing is crazy. Uh, but he did have some monster. I mean, he had a game against Washington last year. Yeah, like 15, 40 or something. Yeah, he had 15 or 21 from the field, six of nine from three, eight of eight from the free throw line, 44 points, eight rebounds, six assists, four steals. Um, yeah, he had some really bizarre, like he had a stretch right after they got him. He had, he dropped 23 on us at the garden. He had 27 against Milwaukee, uh, 22 against Memphis. Like he, he put together some interesting games and then they shut him down because they were like, bro, you're no, like you're not fucking up this thing. You're not fucking up this thing. Um, so like he is, but you know, what's cool about him is he did all that. And he didn't come into the season being like, all right, I got to get my shots up. Like, look at his usage again now. His usage is back down to like 12. I think it might be a career low this year. Yeah, he's on career low usage, 12.7. He's going to fit right into the tip scheme. Um, it'll be perfect. But like, I mean, this is what you want to see. He's a guy that, look, yeah, he had this massive usage one year. And then he was just like, okay, I'm good. Like, I'm this is not who I am really. So we're fine. Um I'm I'm pretty excited for this. I like Hart a lot. I've always liked Hart, um, as Prez has attested to. And um I think the three point shooting thing is probably just a weird maybe just like a I don't know if Tibbs is the right guy to get him out of it, but it does feel like one of those weird moments in somebody's career where they maybe lose confidence in their three point shooting for whatever reason. Because it's not just a percentage. This is a Johnny Bryant. This is a Johnny Bryant mission. Yeah, because this isn't just the percentage. The percentage is whatever. If it was just the percentage, I think you would just be like, weird shooting season, right? He, uh, he passes up threes. Yeah, I mean, it's not just that. His three-point attempt rate this year, it's 3.2 uh, three-point attempts per 100 possessions. Yeah, for his career, he's a, he was a 6.6 guy per 100 possessions. He was up, up pretty high for a minute there, like 8 or he 9. Was nine point, he was yeah. 9.3 in New Orleans his third year in the NBA. I think that's probably skewed a little bit because... I think he kind of had to shoot a lot of threes there, given they that had was gentry ball. Yeah, and they had Zion and Ingram, and you know you're playing. You have to spread the floor for them, so I think that that's a little bit of an outlier. But like he should, he's I do like expect a, it to go up. Yeah, he's like a six seven. Other than that, at around six or seven per hundred possessions, that's where he needs to be. He doesn't need to be a huge volume guy. He just needs to be a little bit more. But the slashing is great. I mean, look, the guy is one of the elite, I mean, he's an elite finisher in and around the rim, given his size. 
Uh, he shot, uh, this is per basketball reference, he's taking 45.5% of his shots this year at the rim, 0 to 3 feet, 71.5%. He's also shooting 43.8% from 3 to 10 feet on 13.2% of his shots. Just got to get three-point rate up, and he's got to just connect on a little bit more. That's it. Um, but he, I, again, I can't stress enough. I'm very excited to see him play. I'm excited to see what this looks like for this team. Um, and I'm just excited to watch this team. Like, the, this version of this team, I'm excited to watch group. it. Yeah. So um, that's where I'm at with that. Uh, all right. I think Josh Hart stuff, we're good. All right, let's talk a little bit about Obi before we move on to general uh, NBA things. I'm fine with them keeping Obi. I'm actually happy they kept Obi. And I know that, uh, you know, I talked to Jeremy about this on Strick and Roll, but like his argument was like, it'd be good to reset the, you know, if you can get a first round pick maybe, or you can, you know, maybe you get a player like Duarte. And I think the Duarte thing, even if that was a possibility, once we got Hart, that didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and, and like there's arguments for it. Like, hey, hey, if you just, if you want Obi to succeed and you want to, you know, as a Knicks fan, you want this organization to trade a guy at his, you know, best value at this point. They should do it now. And I get all that. But, like, I look at this team and I'm like, I ref- again, I just refuse to have how Tibbs runs a roster influence what I think is best for the team. And at the end of the day, like, if you traded Obi, you needed to get back a four. What four were you going to get? Because if you don't get a four, if Randall, I mean, look, I know he's been Iron Man. But all it takes is one injury. And all of a sudden, okay, Randall's gone. Who the fuck do you have at the floor? You're going to go back to Jericho Sims playing next, playing the floor next to like Mitch or fucking Hartenstein? No, that'd be terrible. It's awful. So uh, I'm fine with them keeping Obi. And I think I, I, I'm bullish, a little bit bullish anyway, on how Hart can maybe get, get, uh, get us playing in a way that's more conducive to getting more out of Obi in whatever minutes he does play. The other thing I'll say about Obi, I mean, it was heartening and interesting uh, to hear that, you know, we heard first from Begley, I think, that the Knicks were looking for, I forget the term, yeah, significant draft compensation, whatever that means um, for Obi. Um, and we talked about, you know, the, you mentioned defining traits of how this front office operates. There's a couple of things, two of them that this highlights that we know to be true. One is they don't really trade low. They didn't even like, I can't stress this enough. Like they didn't, they literally didn't even trade low on Cam Reddish. They were like, if we move this fucking guy, we are waiting. They could have pulled the trigger on him to LA earlier. They had other offers on the table and they were like, we're combining him with, you know, a a pick that we, that we feel like there's decent reason to move sooner rather than later and creating a real asset out of that. So, like, is Cam's value out of low? Yes, but they didn't... This wasn't, like... They could have easily just sold him for... Look at all the fucking second-round pick deal. They could have sold him for the rights to a fucking random foreign player nobody knows or something like that. Um, And they didn't. And with... oh, That's why I kept telling people, like, I don't care how much Tibbs hates this guy. They're, this is just not how this front office operates. And the other thing that I think we know to be true, and this makes their relationship with Tibbs all the more, I'll say, interesting. You could say perplexing and frustrating. But 
they're pretty good at identifying talent. And the, the Cam Reddish thing was a kind of like you outlined before, that was a mistake. And if you look outside of that, they're they they do a good job. And it's not just in the draft, it's in free agency. And they do a good job of identifying and evaluating talent, even in weird context. That's the real key thing. Like the Rose deal was a perfect example of that. People thought he was cooked. I thought he was cooked. He was not putting up good numbers in Detroit at all. But the player was there. They they have a pro scout. Uh, that's Zanuck, right? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh yes, Justin Zanuck is the pro guy. Yeah, Justin Zanuck. He, you know, we got him. Like we better. It might not be Justin Zanuck. It's some some Zanuck, whatever. I, I forget which Zanuck is which. I know there's two Zanucks. Because it was, I think Justin Zanuck is the Utah guy. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's some Zanuck. Zanuck one of the Zanux. Shout yeah. out. Shout out one of the Xanax. The other Xanax, you're on Utah, so fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> but like the, the, again, this is this is a strength. It's not we talk about um their scouting and Walt Perrin, and that's obviously a strength, but so so is their um pro personnel evaluation. And we see it with Rose, we see it in the scouting with Grimes and Quickly and Sims and these guys all being rotation quality players, um, despite being picked perceived as reaches or non-draftable or whatever. Um, seeing with Alec Burks. Um, Fournier is the one who he just kind of fell off a cliff. I, I don't really. I mean, if you told me like, oh, that was a miss, like, sure, I'll give that to you, whatever. I don't I don't really agree, but whatever. Fine. Fournier is whack now. So it's a miss. Cool. My point is they are generally know that guys can do stuff. And then what happens is they'll sign guys who can do A, B, C, D, E, F. Tibbs will be like, okay, that's cool. I need them to do A, B, C. D, E, F are cool, but that's not. I don't care. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, you're right. I just don't care. Like, that's good that you think that, but that's not what's going to happen on, on my team here. So it works because those guys are so talented that they could do A, B, C. Can I just? I just. I need to say this. Ben Simmons is coming off the bench for the Nets right now, which is wait, this what? Guy. Ben Simmons is coming off the bench. He's not even starting. Why? Because he fucking sucks. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> wait, time out. What's the starting lineup? It was Dinwiddie, DFS, Royce O'Neal, Cam, and uh, it looked like Dayron Sharp was starting, but I think maybe maybe Claxton's hurt or something. But Claxton obviously would be the starter other than that. What a what a weird team, man. It's just, just it's just a bunch of guys that can play defense and not dribble. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. They're gonna need Aussie Aussie Patty to make an appearance here, but he might not be walking through those doors. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I saying? D E F guys do D E F. Tibbs doesn't. Care oh yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Tibbs doesn't care about that, so. Uh, with with Obi, you know, he's a prime example of that. But o, Obi's the most glaring example of that because we have him sit in the corner and do nothing. But I, I actually think it's I, – I was thinking about this a lot when we played Philly because everybody's like, okay, James Harden, whatever, Joel Embiid, obviously very extremely great MVP caliber player. Tyrese Maxey is Tyrese Maxey. But, like, DeAnthony Melton, uh, a favorite of ours, like Doc Rivers 
was letting him like go coast to coast and pull like transition threes mm. where he's the ball handler and create off the dribble and run pick and rolls and stuff. And it's not, it wasn't just in the all bench lineups, but even, even when we have got role players in the all bench lineups, they have the same role. Like it, it has, there's been a couple of instances lately that have been pretty interesting to see Deuce and Grimes like for what I, I don't know if it was Tibbs or if their own calling their own number, but like they've been in other places on the court than when they're normally are doing other things that they don't normally do. Um, but for the most time, most part, you see role players. The only time you see role players on a Tibbs team do different stuff is when there's like two seconds on the shot clock or three seconds on the shot clock and they happen to have the ball. That's it. So I don't know. I, I think Hart. Hart will fit in, even though he can do 10 different things. He'll be able to do the three things that Tibbs wants. What's more interesting, well, two points. So, number one, with Obi, I'm glad that the front office is like, no, he can do all these things, and I know you only want him to do the one thing, but this is where we draw the line. Sorry. I'm very curious who they who Tibbs wanted them to go after because it was clear from Berman's tweet that, Tibbs not only isn't a fan of Obi, but like wanted them to move Obi in some deal. And I think like, to be frank, like, I, I don't know what Obi's future is in New York. He's definitely still going to be on the block this summer, but I don't think, I think with a lot of these guys, they're looking at these, their skill sets and Tibbs is great, but I don't think he's going to be the next coach after this contract is up. I think he's probably too good to be canned unless he has some horrific playoff flame out or something like that. But like the way these, the, you know, going back to the timetables and how old these guys are, like if a new coach does come in at some point in the next two years, there's a lot here to work with. There's a fucking lot, even without a, you know, them pulling the trigger on a superstar deal. And I think they know that with Obi and they were like, no, we're not selling low on you. Just, we're not selling low on this guy just because our, our coach is throwing a shit fit. And yeah. 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 And I, I, my thing with that too, is it's just like, I don't care. Like, let's be real. At the end of the day, player talent is way more important than fucking coaches. It is. I don't care how good yeah. the coach you are. The talent of your players matters way more. If you're front office, if you're in the front office and you believe in a player's talent, you drafted this guy eighth overall. You've seen him improve on things he needed to improve at. Is he perfect? No. Is he going to be a future star? I don't think so. But you think he can be a solid NBA player, a good player that isn't getting an opportunity? You shouldn't be like, well, we have to trade him because our coach is an asshole. No, that's the wrong. That's no, that's just stupid. Like, player talent is more important than coaching talent. And this is not a coach who has some fucking like legendary resume of success. Okay. Yeah. He's won a lot of regular season games. Cool. He's also been a fucking disaster in the playoffs. Like since basically 2013, 14. I when he doesn't won. have an MVP, he's astoundingly mediocre. He's fine. Yeah. He's fine. I, yeah. This isn't like he's a, some, he's not the ter- like the worst coach in the NBA. He is. I mean, he, Prior to the last, he's well, one of the worst coaches. <laughs> prior to the last three games, he's probably been the worst in-game coach in the NBA. But he has been better the last three games, for what it's worth. Um, but like, he's he, there, if 
Yeah, is there a risk that the next guy you would hire if you fired him sucks? Yeah, of course. There's definitely that risk. Um, but is there a chance that you could hire a better coach or how this is a my similar thing, coach? Though, like, so it's just like I don't really get the downside of that. That argument like, is that's bullshit to me. It's bullshit because how many how many new hire coach like the level of coaching talent in the NBA and adjacent to NBA head coaching so assistants and. Uh, associates and all of that people who are in the pool for coaching is absolutely incredible right now. It's through the roof. And how many, how many head coaching hires have actually backfired? There's Bjork, Bjorkgren. Uh, who else in the last couple of years? I'm, I'm sure. I mean, Nash, I guess, although he's kind of his yeah. own weird thing, but and like, it's just, it, it also just like, it doesn't really matter to me because I think like, if you're telling me I have to pick between, a rotation player potentially or an average-ish NBA coach, I'm just going to take the talent. I'm, I'm always yeah. going to take the player talent because you have to be a real difference. Like, you can't, you might, you can even convince me Tibbs is a good coach. You can convince me that. You can never convince me Tibbs is an elevating coach. He's not pushing the talent to a level it doesn't deserve to be at. I'm sure the people that wanted to believe this team was awful last year and had no talent and we couldn't hold leads because of XYZ reasons, and we're making the same fucking excuses to start this year, even though we got him a point guard, I'm sure they would love to believe that the talent on this team is very mediocre and not that good, and Tibbs is doing yeoman's work just to get us to where we are. That's not the case. At least that's not how I interpret it. If you disagree with that interpretation, that's fine. You're welcome to. I don't. I've been saying since last year, I think the talent on this team is really good. I've been saying since this year, since they made the rotation changes, hey, are we sure this team isn't actually really fucking good? Um, and by really fucking good, I mean not quite a contender, but like I said, they're on a near 50 win pace since they made the rotation changes. A contender is not a contender is not is not walking over them. Yeah, I mean it's just I just think this team has talent. So like I'm very okay picking the talent on this team over siding with the coach. And that go that that's not just an OB thing. That could be with Quick. That could be with Grimes. That could be with heart now that could be with Brunson Randall whatever it doesn't really matter especially now that Randall is playing at the level he's at the, like the the talent on this roster is pretty fucking good and it's not some amazing achievement to have them at 30 and 26 I'm sorry it's not it's good it's not, I'm happy it's not. I'm happy I'm happy they're there and I'll be completely honest one of the reasons I was really worried about them not hitting this type of level in, in in there's two reasons. One, I didn't expect Julius to play this level, so hold my hand up. Completely wrong on that. Second one is that I didn't think Tibbs would make the changes to the rotation that I thought he should make, and he's done a lot of that. Uh, I don't give him credit for that in the sense of like he gets credit for doing it. I don't think he was inspired by himself to do it. Um, let's just leave it at that. So, like again, do I think Obi's going to be some superstar player? No. But if you're telling me the reason I should like I have to trade Obi is because Tibbs won't play him, I'm doing exactly what the front office did. Like if they got a good offer, I'm sure they would have taken it. But they probably didn't. And you wanna know why they couldn't? Because Tibbs doesn't fucking play the guy. So, like, this is what it is. There's no there's no upside to the shit that Tibbs wants to put out there through Berman. And honestly, if you want to dispute that he does this, puts it out there through Berman, I don't really care to to argue about it. I think it's very obvious. If you don't, cool. Um all right, I'm just going to leave that there. I think Obi's a good player. I want him to be on this team. I'm happy he's still on this team. 
I think he deserves more minutes. I am hopeful that maybe somebody in the front office will have the conversation with Tibbs that they should have had much earlier, fuck going back to last year and definitely earlier this season. And OB gets around 18, 20 minutes a game for the rest of the season. That would be wonderful. That would be enough. Um, okay. Let's move on to other teams because uh, there is a team uh, in Brooklyn who made a trade. Yes, they traded Jay Crowder. No, we don't care about the Jay Crowder trade here. Um, cool trade. Good yeah, job. I've, I've been so busy that, like, obviously I heard, I woke up, saw the KD thing. I didn't even realize. When was Crowder yesterday or today? That was today. Oh, that's why I didn't. Okay. Yeah, so that trade was Milwaukee gets Jay Crowder, Brooklyn got three second round picks. Pacers got George Hill, Serge Ibaka, Jordan, and Wara, and two future second-round picks. They're supposedly going to waive Ibaka. So I, I could see Ibaka. T- the Knicks have two open roster spots, by the way. I could see Ibaka maybe being one of those pickups, but we'll see. Um, no, we're talking about, the obviously, the, the big enchilada, the trade of all trades, maybe the biggest – this might be the biggest deadline trade ever. I don't know. Uh, so the Nets That's get – yeah, the Nets got McCall Bridges, Cameron Johnson, your son, uh, Jay Crowder, four unprotected first-round picks, 2023, 2025, 2027, 2029, and a 2028 first-round pick swap. Phoenix receives Kevin Durant. And the part that – this was really confusing to me. I don't know I don't, I, I don't know if they needed to add a little bit of somebody to make the money work, but they threw in TJ Warren into this deal too, which I just – it's just good for Phoenix because TJ Warren can still get buckets and he's healthy. Uh, and he's been healthier this year. So they were like, no, you're a wing who can dribble away with you. Yeah. And I just saw like, Chris Haynes was talking about this. It sounds like they had an agreement with Katie before the start of the year where if things went sideways, um, they would honor his trade request. And I think they would honor the fact that he wanted to go to Phoenix above all teams. So I'm not sure that this trade was a, like a super aggressive negotiation on either side kind of probably feels like things just fell into place given those parameters. Um, I mean, I guess this trade is fine for Kevin Durant. You're just not going to get, you're never going to get equal value or reasonable value or anywhere near it for a player of his caliber when you trade him. You're just not. It's not possible. Okay. Uh, as much as I hate Kevin Durant, he is a superstar. You're not going to get that talent or you're not going to get anywhere near that talent in trade. But uh, I just don't, get it like their team is just a bunch of fucking role-playing three and d wings and i guess like there's maybe some value in deciding to corner that market and see if that can net you like something in trade down the line that maybe increases the value because you got all these guys that people around the league want i don't know um but the trade is honestly irrelevant like this is just such an absolute failure from the nets and i'm so thrilled about it because I've been fucking saying this shit since they did it. I said I would not sign KD. I said I would not sign Kyrie. I said the Harden trade was stupid because it was all in for no fucking reason. I, and like you can tell me, oh, well, it's, this is bad luck. That was bad luck. That's why you have to leave yourself flexibility. They didn't leave themselves flexibility, which left them at the whims of an extremely eccentric personality like Kyrie, to say the least. Um... And that's what happened. Like, this is why I thought they should have just pulled the plug last summer. Because if they never had an intention of extending Kyrie, which obviously seems to be the case, they should have expected that, like, his reaction could right. be... Right. El- what else was this... How else was this going to end? Yeah. <laughs> and and what I don't understand about this at all 
And this is where I think, like, anybody just praising Sean Marks for him pivoting. Oh, I'm so amazed. Like, they got all this draft capital. Oh, like, if they had this fucking agreement with KD over the summer where, hey, if shit goes bad, we'll trade you. Why would they not take the Lakers deal from the fucking Lakers for, for Kyrie? That was too unprotected first and, like, a pick swap or something. It, I don't understand. How is that not better than getting the, the Dallas pick? A Dallas unprotected pick in two seconds, and Dinwiddie and DFS. Like, what are Dinwiddie and DFS doing for you now? Okay, like, yeah, if you're, I understand you can't tank. I'm not sure your team isn't that much worse if you don't have DFS and Dinwiddie, and you still make this trade with, uh, you know, if you make that Lakers trade and then you make this Phoenix trade because I think McCall Bridges, Cam Johnson, those are good players, um, and you obviously you'll see what Cam Thomas has, like. I, I'm sorry. I just don't. I don't understand it. I think it's really fucking stupid, and I, I just they 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 got what they deserved because when you make a deal with the devil, uh, that's what can happen. And Kyrie Irving is a phenomenal, talented, skilled basketball player. Uh, one of the most skilled basketball players ever. As Prez will Prez will argue. And maybe rightfully so, the best handles ever. Um, but all of that doesn't make you somebody that is worth giving control of the franchise over to. And that's what they did. And this is what you get. I'm sorry. Like, I don't feel fucking sympathy for them. I don't feel sympathy for Sean Marks. I don't feel sympathy. I definitely will never feel sympathy for Joe Sy. Uh, I don't have any. I have absolutely no sympathy for Kevin Durant. I have none. None. Not a fucking shred of sympathy for him. He was literally in the best basketball situation possible. He wanted to prove that he can go do his own thing and make Brooklyn cool and play ball with his buddy and it was all going to be great. I don't feel sympathy for him. I'm sorry. He pissed away three and a half years of his career. That's his fucking fault. It is what it is. Um, now he gets to go play on another team with another set of stars. You know, Devin Booker, an absolute star. Chris Paul, obviously not the player he once was, but is still pretty good. Like, no guy has has gotten garnered so much sympathy through his career while exclusively playing with star after star after star after star after star. Uh, I'm. This isn't to say Kevin Durant himself isn't a star. He absolutely is, but I don't feel any sympathy for him. And um, the final thing is, again, I, I you couldn't give up, what is it, uh, Utah instead of TJ Warren? Like, really? Like, uh, that one, that bit is a little bit weird to me. Maybe they're just doing him as fucking solid, too, because apparently that's how you should make trades in the NBA. Um, this trade sucks for Brooklyn in the sense of, like, do they get value? Sure. But it sucks in the sense of you had... They they were supposed to win championships. That's it. End of the day, you're you're supposed to win championships. You sign KD, you sign Kyrie, you trade for James Harden. You're supposed to win championships, and you won one fucking playoff series in three and a half years. They played thirteen games, I think, together, all three of them, which is fucking bananas. I believe KD and Kyrie played seventy four games together in three and a half years. This is the biggest failure in NBA history, as far as I'm concerned. There's nothing that comes close to this. I don't think there's anything that comes close to this in any sport I've watched. Like. It's not comparable because in a sport like basketball, if you get three or two of the top, what is it at worst? What is it like six, seven players? Right. And another guy who's probably top 15 ish. 
That sounds about right. Something like that. Mm-hmm. 15, 20. You're supposed to win championships. You got them all in their primes. Sure, back end of their primes, but primes. And you won nothing. You won one playoff game. You got embarrassed in, in a playoff series last year by the by the Celtics. Like, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's an embarrassment. Anybody saying anything other than that about Sean Marks and Brooklyn and what they have going on is a joke. It's a joke. No, they failed miserably. They failed more than any team could possibly fucking fail. And I feel no sympathy for them because I had to deal for how many how many times do we have to say, oh, ha, the Knicks, they're dead. The Knicks didn't get them. Nobody will sign with the Knicks. The Knicks are down. Dolan this, Dolan that. And what happened? What happened? I'd rather be the Knicks today than I am the Nets. Play that. Yeah, it's annoying, and it's going to be the the reaction to this. Like, there's going to be a lot of jokes, and then it's just going to be what always happens with Brooklyn, which is nobody really cares about Brooklyn alone in a vacuum. They cared about Brooklyn in relation to the Knicks, in relation to Harden's past teams, in relation to the Warriors. In relation to other possible contenders, they have no, they have no personality of their own, and, and we've talked about this. KD is is weirdly emblematic of it in in himself. I mean, Harden and Kyrie have very strong personalities on the court, for better and for worse. KD just he's an incredible hooper, and he can fit anywhere, and he just kind of exists in his own stratospheric bubble doing his own I mean, thing and there's he's kind of like just talking pure aesthetics as a scorer the way he can get buckets without dominating the ball it's kind it's like it is a little bit like michael jordan kobe bryant-esque and i know people will be yeah. like what are you talking about they dominate the ball but like go i'm telling you man go watch some of these like jordan and kobe highlights where they like you'll see games where they get like six seven jumpers just because coming off a screen or whatever the fuck it is yeah, and you know, play in the post, play in the screen, play off yeah. movement, play in the the mid post. Like they can do all that shit, and his versatility is why he can be KD could be in all these situations and still be incredible. Like the dude can't hardly drive no more, and he's like, okay, I'm just gonna shoot sixty percent from mid range. That's like a made up fucking number, basically. Like for how many he takes, it's incredible. But like, again, the winds of time are gonna blow, and. Once not, all the jokes, not the winds of winter. We know the winds of winter are not going <laughs> to blow, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so, and then we're just going to move on. The jokes are going to be the jokes, and then it's not going to be like this. Isn't going to be like a don't let blah 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 let you forget that the Warriors blew a three-one lead. Like this is <laughs> this is not these jokes are not going to have that staying power because. That staying power for the for that Warriors blown lead, for example, is funny because of their greatness and their distinctness and their era definingness. This KD team was just like what? Like they didn't really like you said they played thirteen or sixteen games together, and they were they were a create they were their biggest impact was basically internet shit posting. Like they generated shit posting at the beginning, <laughs> at the end, and during the inflection points of their tenure when various players left, and that's it. In that sense, they're kind of a weirdly emblematic team for like 
the age we're in of social media where like most of the shit on here is stupid or doesn't matter anyway or is a waste of time so like cool dudes mission accomplished like i i joked about like oh i can't wait to see the 30 for 30 but actually i can wait because that 30 for 30 would be boring as fuck it would not be a good 30 for 30 it would just be like the worst vibes there would be like a couple of exciting points if they really got into like what on earth Kyrie was thinking at various points in his <laughs> life. But as- but aside from that, it's just going to be. I'm sure you want to explore that one. Yeah, I don't know that that you might want to just leave that untouched. And then James Harden is just going to be like, oh, I got to get out of here. <laughs> it's just it's like- just clips of him at scores, getting lap dances, realizing that he needs to leave Brooklyn. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to pan to like old James Harden. And he's going to be like, I'm glad I got out of there. I love it in Philly with Joel Embiid. He's, he's my my son's godfather or whatever. You know, they're probably like best friends now or some shit. We made and it then, to an Eastern Conference Finals once. Yeah, if it wasn't for Kawhi Leonard, damn it, like, or whatever. Um, but, and then K, KD, you know, I've talked about him on prior pods, but he's his own enigma. And, you know, I, I hope he has success on Phoenix. Um I don't. He, he, I know you don't, because <laughs> I, I respect it. I respect it, but like I, even though he's this weird, like vibeless guy, I, I do respect his talent. And CP3 is annoying, but like I just like, uh, like the way they hoop book KD and CP3. I like, I like, I like book a lot. Like books, like aesthetically, one of my favorite hoopers. Yeah, yeah. The three of those guys are. Uh, our faves of mine on the court aesthetically. So like, and I'm always here for like a, as long as the Knicks aren't contending, like I don't want one of these fucking teams that already got chips like that to win, you know, like I know it was cool that the Warriors came back and still managed to pull out another chip, but fuck that shit. Y'all already got enough. Relax, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'm not trying to see no Warriors chip. Giannis is always cool just because, Giannis has like he's the opposite. He's like immaculate vibes all the time. Um, I, I would rather the Warriors win another chip though than they get Webby. Oh well, if you <laughs> want to just compare the worst timelines, then sure. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. You're like this is like well, you know, like it's interesting, Julian. You're or Perez, You're talking about like getting shot in the foot, but. <laughs> I prefer that to certain death. Like, wow, <laughs> yes, I concur. I concur, good sir. Um, Why would you even say that on the pod? I'm like, no, because let's mean, stop. Let's just no. Let's just. I know they got. They, I know they got GP two, but you know, oh. I don't know if he's gonna save them. Um, that was as far like. T- can we? Can we, we, we trade stuff? Can yeah, we talk, talk about like all the weird like second round pick stuff? Like this yeah, is yeah, just no, objectively we, we hilarious. But I want to talk specifically about this. Uh, OG this Anunoby trade... is going to be traded in the summer for 34 second round picks. All right. I don't even know if you know this trade, but this is the trade. Uh, Hawks got Sadiq Bay from Detroit. Detroit gets James Wiseman from Golden State. Golden State gets Gary Payne the second and five second round picks. And Portland also got. Kevin Knox, and then five second-round picks. I'm not sure if these second-round picks got... Uh, I guess they did. I guess they both got five second-round picks, so all right, good for them. That's probably a new record for like most second-round picks in a deal. Yeah, that's 10 in the deal. I'm not sure where... Did Port, I guess Port, Detroit and Atlanta just 
went crazy with second round picks or something. Um, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell real quick before we get into the particulars of why that trade is like weird and fascinating. Like we've been talking about, like okay, what what are valuations like post Gobert, post Donovan Mitchell, and nobody, everybody, like all of these role players who are rotation players, they can't all be worth a first if firsts are the currency of stars. Oh, so sorry. Just want to clear this up. It's they got the five second round picks from Atlanta, and then they sent that with Knox to Portland for a GPU. So it's the same five. Yeah, it's not, it's not ten. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. I was like, that seems really <laughs> crazy. But yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, that makes that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Uh, I, my this is my theory. I think five, four to five second round picks is equivalent to. A protected first round pick. Yes, I, that's exactly where I was getting. Like you, it, it's not it's equal value, but you can't optically right now say I'm giving a first for this guy because then all these fuckers are worth firsts, and collectively, like that, that can't happen. Particularly because a disproportionate number of firsts are held in the hands of a few teams, and there's no way that these teams, right, the Knicks, the Thunder, the Pelicans, the Rockets, they don't need these role players. So they're not going to give you first for that. So you start looking for alternative, it's almost like alternative currency, like equal value but not a first. Because if first-round picks were distributed more evenly around the league, more of these guys would be worth a first, but they're not. So instead, the next best thing is these weird these weird deals. I think the first one I remember like this, um, this was not, this was before the go bear trade, but it was Kevin Porter jr. On draft day it was picked 30th and traded for four second round picks. That's the first time I can remember recently. Where I don't think, was that Kevin Porter jr. Or was it Dylan Wimber? I knew it was one of those picks. It was KPJ. Cause I remember being like four, four second round picks. Why can't the Knicks do it? Yeah. And then, and then we saw why narrator, uh, the Knicks made a great decision. <laughs> twenty nine teams, or I guess twenty eight teams, made the right decision. Yeah, uh, it's. It, it, yeah, I mean, I think that that's just really what it is. It's it's just you don't have a first round pick, so you don't want to give up optics, whatever. But like that is effectively what I got out of today is that four to five second round picks is equivalent to some type of protected first, which also makes more sense of like our trade where our trade was a lotto protected first or four second round picks if it doesn't convey this year, right? So that makes sense now. Because, and effectively, like, you see this with a lot of these deals. So San Antonio took on Devontae Graham, who has a longer contract than Josh Richardson. They sent Josh Richardson to the Pelicans. They take Devontae Graham, and they got four second round picks, right? That's effectively, you're getting a protected first for the the salary dump. Um, but just, like, as a basketball thing. I don't know how I feel about Sadiq Bay in Atlanta. I know that they're thin on the wing. I was listening to a uh, friend of the pod, Mark Schindler, along with Sam Vecini a little bit before we got on. And Mark was expressing some concerns about what Sadiq Bay wants as his role versus what is available to him as his role in Atlanta. And I was real kind of... Tangent, real quick tangent. Real quick yep. tangent. This is why in player development it's a lot more nuanced than like they can't play at all. That's okay. Give them all the freedom in the world. That's also okay. Like, no. The degree in the middle matters. Because Sadiq Bay now thinks that he's fucking 
you know, some like real 25 usage wing when it's like, bro, you're on a tanking team. You ain't got it like that. Take that die after hair and fucking relax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just that Joker thing he did was just whatever, man. Um, but like, you know, he was talking about Sadiq Bay, and, and I was just laughing at it because the way I was thinking about it was like, they clearly did the right thing trading Cam Reddish for a protected first, right? To us. So good job, Hawks. Because but I'm like, you're like what you're describing like what he was describing as Sadiq Bay. I was like, this sounds exactly like Cam Reddish. Like, this sounds exactly like Cam Reddish. Like the player uh, or the situation, you mean? The player. In the, in the way he was describing, like, mm. he doesn't, like, you know, uh, he's gone away from being, like, the what made him kind of intriguing as a rookie was he was fully just a 3 and D guy. And so he's, you know, taking spot of threes. Focusing the on appeal defense. of him as a prospect was the same. He was a, right. he was a 3 and D guy who... Had who who actually had a sneaky sprinkle of like attacking closeout and yeah and attacking closeouts yeah right and like instead of it becoming a sprinkling it's just been like he's trying to do more. I was reading in the athletic today that people were like annoyed by his kind of style of play at times in the organization, and I'm like, so did you just trade for Cam Reddish? Like, is that is that what happened here? Uh, which so that part was funny to me, but I do get the gamble on their end. Like, I do think they're thin. They could take a shot on Sadiq Bay. Sure. Whatever. I don't think it's sure. terrible. This Wiseman thing, I one, I gotta say, it's getting, so fucking annoying. Well, okay, there's so much about this that I hate. I want to get into one thing real quick. This doesn't really need to be an extended conversation. Gary in the second, getting objectively taking Wiseman two and then having to flip him before the end of his third season to get back Gary Payne the second is a horrible, like Use if the Knicks asset. had a series of moves like that, we would be fucking ridiculed. And obviously, the Warriors have done enough that, like, if any team should get a pass, it's the Warriors. Cool, but like, it's still fucking annoying. I'm like, yo, you can have fuck ups of this magnitude, and you're fine because you still have staff. Like, how yeah. nice it must be. <laughs> yeah, it must be nice. And Clay, Clay uh, Thompson is like fucking discovering the fountain of youth oh, for God, 2023. It's really and- annoying to me. Tangent to this tangent, it's really annoying to me that like. If you look up his stats since he like played the Knicks that one time, it's, it's probably been just it's been great. And it's I'm like, oh, like that game, what that game, this stretch of like renaissance, of course it began versus the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> um and so they yeah, I know. Uh and then they traded <laughs> Gary Payton. So they get Gary Payton second back, who's awesome. He's gonna be great for them. We know this because he was great for them. So it's hilarious that that's how they got Gary Payton second back, but <laughs> Once you accept that Wiseman was a total bust, I think that is fine. You just got to do it. Um, yeah, good for them for like honestly, and, like we clowned them for taking a horrible pick, an actual bust at number two, which we should. But good for them for finally just being like, all right, we taking the L. We gotta. We yeah. Steph ain't getting any younger. Like, let's get with it. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm not sure why the Blazers did this. They got Kevin Knox and they get five second round picks. So my assumption is that like. They either think that they have enough that they don't really need Gary Payne the second, or they just don't care if they actually make the playoffs or not, which is possible because they would retain their first round pick if they don't make the playoffs. So maybe that's what it is. The you final give up piece- heart and you give up GP two. That's like, I mean, obviously it's not Dame. It's not your main offense, Dame Simons Grant, but like that's real depth, man. I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm I don't know. Maybe we'll see. So but weird. I just, 
absolutely hate this for Detroit. I don't think Weaver has any idea what he's doing. That's why I, I don't think he has a fucking clue what he's doing. You just drafted Jalen Dern. Jalen Dern and James Wiseman can never play together. I, you can try it and you can pretend that like James, well, oh, well, he can shoot the ball and no. They were trying dumb double big stuff, but at least Stu could shoot. Well, it's like at least and he's undersized. It's also like it just makes more sense at least. This and I don't even like that for the record. No, I don't, I don't like, like it either. The four. I don't. I, I don't like it either. But this is terrible. I think this is awful. I don't understand it. Uh, I would have rather just traded Bay and gotten the five second round pick straight up. I I don't know what Wiseman does for you. There was a report that came out before they finalized the deal that uh, Troy Weaver had had Wiseman number one on his board before that draft. And like, why do you even want? Do you want that out there so that people, everybody, just knows you're a fucking idiot? Like. I don't get that. Uh, I, I just don't get this deal. So you did this. They fucking signed Bagley last summer to that three-year, $37 million deal. You know, they they didn't trade Nerland. Nerland's still, still chilling over there. I'm not saying that Nerland's going to play, but he's still there. Uh, I just They didn't trade Bogdanovich. They didn't trade Burks. Like, I get you want some vets around. I'm cool with that. You had to trade one of those guys. You should have definitely traded one of those guys. This other guy, they still got Curtis, or Corey Joseph is still hanging out. Like, that team is a fucking disaster. I don't think they have any idea. I, I think Weaver sucks. I don't actually hate the talent they've amassed. I think it's like okay, and I think they would do better if probably somebody with a clue was in charge of the front office. But this, the Wiseman thing is insane. They already said he's going to start. Apparently, like what? why? Why? Why is he going to start? You're going to you're going to so you're either benching Dern or you're going to play him and Dern together, which is like pathetic. And then the, the most hilarious part of this is. If they did get lucky in the draft and get the number one pick and got Wemby, they would be sitting there with Wiseman, Duran, Wemby. Like, it's just everything about this trade is so stupid for them. I don't get why they did it. I don't know what – I think Troy Weaver is awful. Um, I think he, I'm officially adding them to the bad vibes for Wemby list. Like, before, for me personally, they weren't on the, like, this is stupid if this team gets Wemby. Mm. But and and they're not like on the top tier of that, like other teams that I truly hate. But they're not in the like they're not no longer in the good vibes. Like, ah, good for Wemby, good for the NBA. I'm okay with this, relatively speaking. They're no longer in that category. Um yeah, it's it's bad. It's bad. We're gonna keep talking about this stuff, but before we continue. Uh, NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, yeah, that, I, I don't know. That trade is just so fucking bananas to me. I hate it. Um, for Detroit a lot, and specifically for Duran, it seems like. Uh, and I, 
I, I don't really like it for anybody, really, other than the Warriors. But even with the Warriors, it's like, yeah, could have just had Lamelo. Seems a lot better than doing this. Oh my god, dude! Any <laughs> of these fucking, there's a lot of talent there, but uh, Lamelo most of all, man. Like, yeah. God, like I, I just, you know how I get about this stuff. It's like te- teams that. Like, people complain about R.J. Barrett. I complain about R.J. Barrett. But, like, we don't have the luxury of fucking whiffing complete. We did whiff completely on lottery picks before. Like, we've done it several times, arguably. But Wiseman was the number two pick. That, like, this is what gets me so mad about, like, teams like the Warriors and Philly who had several top three picks that they whiffed on or or whatever. And it's just like, even fucking Phoenix, like with Bender and all that shit, like the luxury to just have enough good fortune in cumulative, like a mass for your team that you could fucking waste the most precious type of good luck outside of a super max hall of famer deciding he wants to play in your city. That's the only thing. The only stroke of luck better than, or I guess like getting a, a Hall of Famer later in the draft is also up there, like Steph or Giannis or something like that. But those, those three are probably like the most in, the most NBA, not even franchise, NBA changing level gifts you can get that are through no, through, that are through nothing your team did, that are just through shit luck. And they were just like, nah, nah, nah. oh, well. We took Wiseman. He didn't work out, even though everybody said he didn't work out. We thought he would work out. And guess what? He didn't work out. Which I didn't for Gary Payton again. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. Like, that gets me so mad. Like, fuck you. This is why I don't want the Warriors to win, bro. Yeah. I I just... I love, I I love Steph. I'm just saying. I saw something the other day. I, I think I saw somebody tweet out a comparison of, like, Poole's numbers at age, what is he, 23 or whatever the fuck he is. To Donovan Mitchell at that age, and I was just like, no, no, like, no, not doing this. Like, you don't deserve to win anymore. I just get the fuck out of here with that. Like, that that made me so angry. I'm not even like a fucking huge Mitchell fan, but I was just like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Like, no, we're not comparing Jordan fucking Poole to Donovan Mitchell. Like, no shot. They're not even playing the same sport. Get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.